Welcome to the Man Cave. It's the Man Cave Football Podcast with Dan Gasper. It is the Man Cave Football Podcast. I am your host, Dan Casper. As always, a playoff edition of the Man Cave Football Podcast as we get ready for Wild Card Weekend. We got the Bills at the Texans, Titans at the Patriots, Vikings at the Saints, and then wrapping it up this weekend, we've got the Seahawks at the Philadelphia Eagles. So lots to talk about regarding the playoffs with the, with the Wild Card Weekend here. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. I'm going to make my picks and preview those games. Uh, we're going to talk some head coaching changes. Maybe not as many openings as uh, we all initially thought. Uh, you know, Black Monday coming and going, and Washington are already filling it up with Ron Rivera. I love that hire. I'll explain it a little bit later on. Uh, Cleveland's looking. The Giants are looking. The Panthers are still looking. And it finally sounds like the Cowboys are going to be looking now, but... What the hell is going on with Dallas? So we're going to cover all that in uh, four-down territory, as we usually do to kick things off, including uh, handing out some regular season awards and uh, an extra point. So we're going to talk a little Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame finalists uh, as well, it announced uh, the 15 modern-era finalists. We know that uh, they're expanding the class to include some of the uh, older players because of the 100-year uh, celebration. But we're just going to take a look at the modern-era finalists that were just recently announced, and uh, I'll, I'll cast my ballot, if you will. I'll pick my five that uh, I think will end up going into the uh, Hall of Fame when it's announced Super Bowl weekend this Saturday before the Super Bowl. But uh, let's get it started. Let's get this uh, wild card playoff weekend edition of the Man Cave Football Podcast started with four down territory. Let's hand out some regular season awards coming up here on first down. So let's get started here. Uh, I'm going to be handing out the MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and Head Coach of the Year. Let's start off with the with the Coach of the Year. Uh, we have a few options that you can choose from. Uh, Matt Lafleur with Green Bay taking a team that went six nine and one last year, missed the playoffs the last couple of years to a thirteen and three record and a two seed in the NFC. Uh, you got uh, Kyle Shanahan. The one seed uh, for the 49ers in a division that, you know, last year the Rams were in the Super Bowl. Seattle's uh, been in the, the playoffs the last couple of years. Uh, they're back in the playoffs this year, too. So surprising some people maybe winning that division this year. You got John Harbaugh, obviously what uh, the Baltimore Ravens have done this year with the 14-2 and record. Lamar Jackson, uh, an MVP candidate over there as well. So uh, there's a few. Mike Tomlin, you can maybe throw his name in on that list as well. Uh, for what he had to endure with that Steelers team with injuries and how many different quarterbacks uh, he ended up using too. So maybe even Mike Vrabel, you know, making a quarterback change and getting his team into the playoffs. My pick, though, I'm going to go with Kyle Shanahan. I, I honestly think it's probably a three-person race at this point. I think Matt LaFleur is probably going to be third. John Harbaugh, I think, is going to be second. But with Kyle Shanahan, I, I think you have to look at the division he came out of. You know, I know the Rams played. Uh, under expectations this year, but this was a team that still a lot of people thought could get back to the Super Bowl. We know Seattle's a, a tough out as well. Just how dominant the 49ers have looked this year. Uh, I think you have to give the Coach of the Year award to Kyle Shanahan. At least that's that would be my pick uh, for Coach of the Year. Say, uh, hand out some Rookie of the Year awards. Start off with the Defensive Rookie of the Year. Sticking with the same team. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Joey Bosa. Now, I know Crosby from the Raiders. Max Crosby, you know, if you want to compare them numbers-wise, 
Maybe Crosby has a little bit better numbers than Bosa, but I think it, it comes down to me more than just numbers and, and the impact that this rookie had on his team. And Nick Bosa, 47 tackles, 9 sacks, 1 forced fumble, 1 interception. Uh, I mean, when you think of the 49ers, it's, it's been their defense. And that defensive line is is one of the best in the league right now. And a big factor of that has, has been because of Nick Bosa's play. So for me, if I was casting a vote for Defensive Rookie of the Year, I'm going to give it to Nick Bosa. Offensive Rookie of the Year, same state. Looking at uh, Josh Jacobs, running back for the uh, Oakland Raiders, soon to be Las Vegas Raiders. But uh, Josh Jacobs, 1,150 yards rushing, 4.8 yards per carry, 7 touchdowns. And the guy, I mean, he's 5'10", he's 220, so he's not the tallest guy, but he's built, but he's got quick moves. Even though he's built, he's he, he, he can run over you, but he can out-juke you as well. Uh, I loved watching this guy play this year. Hopefully some of these injuries won't uh, uh, be long-term effects. It doesn't sound like it or anything like that, but uh, uh, Josh Jacobs really impressed me this year, and that's why I'm going to give him my Offensive Rookie of the Year award. Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I'm going to go to the Patriots, actually. I'm going to go with Gilmore, the corner. Uh, you know, you can go a bunch of different ways here if you want. Uh, if you want to look at some of the numbers, like Barrett from Tampa with his sacks, or maybe even Zadarius Smith for, from the Packers. I think, ultimately, though, I mean, Gilmore's probably going to get it from the New England Patriots. Uh, and then Offensive Player of the Year. This, is, this has been an interesting award over the last few years because usually the MVP is given to an offensive player. And it seems like the Offensive Player of the Year has been like the second place award for MVP. This year, I think you can make the case that the MVP and the Offensive Player of the Year should be the same person. So I guess uh, to, to kind of, you know, backtrack it here a little bit, my MVP uh, is Lamar Jackson. I don't think there's any question that it's going to be Lamar Jackson this year uh, for the MVP. I mean, dude's... 36 touchdown passes, 6 interceptions, 3,127 yards. Oh, and he was top 10 in rushing, too. Top 10 in rushing. Are you kidding me? 1,200, or excuse me, yeah, uh, how many rushing yards did he have? 1,206. Yeah, 1,206 with 7 rushing touchdowns. That's a 6.9 average. So you easily can give him the Offensive Player of the Year as well. He's going to win MVP. Easily could give him the Offensive Player of the Year. I'm not going to argue with it, but I'm going to go with what the trend has kind of been like lately, where they've been giving the Offensive Player of the Year award to really the, kind of like the second place MVP, if you will. And in this case, it might be Russell Wilson, but I think they go down the list a little bit further. And I think it's going to be Christian McCaffrey that ends up getting the Offensive Player of the Year award, becoming the only the third person to rush over 1,000 yards and have over 1,000 receiving yards as well. 1,387 yards rushing, 15 touchdowns. He had 1,005 yards receiving for four touchdowns, so 19 total. So I think ultimately Christian McCaffrey might get the Offensive Player of the Year award based on recent trends. But to me, Lamar Jackson should both win the MVP and the Offensive Player of the Year award. All right, so we've got uh, some coaches looking for new Jobs, or I should say teams looking for new head coaches, and that's where we're going to lead things off in second down. Uh, Washington's already made a move. Ron Rivera, love that hire. I think, you know, for, for a franchise that is in desperate need for some stability and some, uh, you know, discipline, if you will, Ron Rivera bringing him in 
great, great hire by Dan Snyder. And then Ron Rivera bringing in Jack Del Rio to run his defense. Another great, great move. Love it, love it, love it. So a Washington, uh, they, 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 they targeted Ron Rivera right away uh, when Carolina obviously let him go. Uh, and uh, they, they kind of knew their guy right away. They talked to him, and they made that move. They didn't sit on it. So uh, I love the move um, by Washington. Now, the remaining teams that are looking for jobs, you've got Cleveland, you've got the Giants, you've got the Panthers, and now it does sound like the Cowboys will be making a move, and we're going to get to the Cowboys coming up here on third down. But uh, so for this uh, for this second down, we're going to assume that's, you know, and who knows, by the time this podcast episode gets uploaded, it'll probably become official that the Cowboys are going to be looking, or the Cowboys have finally moved on from Jason Garrett. But uh, we're going to assume that is the case. So my my thoughts, so the guys that I'm going to match up with these teams, my predictions, if you will. Start off with Cleveland. Reports out there saying, you know, now they need a new general manager. Uh, John Dorsey no longer there. But there was reports saying last year that during the coaching search, it seemed like the majority in the building thought Kevin Stefanski won the interview process, the Vikings offensive coordinator. But it was John Dorsey that wanted Freddie Kitchens. And ultimately, John Dorsey won that. Freddie Kitchens is no longer there. John Dorsey is no longer there. So to me, it, it seems like Kevin Stefanski is probably going to get another opportunity to interview. And if they liked him that much last year, and given what the Vikings offense did this year, I think Kevin Stefanski is going to be the new head coach for the Cleveland Browns. Then we've got the Giants. Uh, you know, the Giants, I look at this team, I, I wonder how many potential coaches are going to be turned off by uh, Gettleman still being the general manager over there. They have made some questionable moves. They do have another high draft pick this year. Uh, but the, some of their draft picks the last couple of years, I mean, that, that's something to build on. Slayton, the wide receiver, had a good connection with Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, uh, I think he's going to be a pretty good quarterback. You have Barkley, uh, the running back behind him. So they've got some nice weapons on offense. And I know usually when you make coaching changes, if you had an offensive coach, you go defense. If you had a defense coach, you go offense. In this case, they did have an offensive coach. Um, and this will be their, I believe, fourth offensive coach, third offensive coach in a row uh, if they go offensive route. But I think you have to with a young quarterback and still a young running back. And in this case, you know, I like the Mike McCarthy matchup with the Giants, but I think I might like the Eric Bynumy matchup a little bit better, bringing an Andy Reid-style offense over to the Giants. Uh, so I've got Eric Bynumy going over to uh, the New York Giants. Panthers. I like Eric Bynumy there too because I think he can probably utilize, if he brings over the Andy Reid style of offense, maybe utilize Christian McCaffrey a little bit more. But I think the Panthers, they're going to be looking for a quarterback. So they probably want to bring in a guy that has a history of developing some quarterbacks. This guy's already had two interviews with the, with the Carolina Panthers. The Pittsburgh connection between the owner uh, and, and this guy, I think this is going to be the match. Mike McCarthy uh, going to the Carolina Panthers, which, people, if you're looking at schedule, Carolina visits the Packers in the upcoming season. So uh, pay attention to that one. And then the Cowboys. Um, this one's going to be an interesting one. Uh, you know, I know there's like odds makers that have Josh McDaniels as the guy here. I cannot fathom, I cannot possibly see where Josh McDaniels is going to be the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the guy wants all the power in the world. He essentially wants to be his own general manager. 
Can you seriously picture Josh McDaniels going to Dallas and having Jerry Jones be his general manager? Can't see it. That ain't happening. Uh, and you look at this Cowboys team, they got talent all across the board. I think, you know, this is a, a, a team, though, that still, they need some discipline as well. They need some energy. They need some fire. Nobody fits that description better than Robert Sala, the defensive coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. So I think he is a good fit for that team, for that personality of that team. Um, and then he, I, I could see him being the guy that brings in kind of an established offensive coordinator, a veteran offensive coordinator, where we've seen that trend of younger head coaches getting hired that maybe don't have a whole lot of experience, but then they bring on experienced coordinators with them. So I think the Cowboys would do that. They bring in uh, Robert uh, to be the head man, bring in his style of defense, bring in his energy. They've got all those weapons on offense, bring in an established offensive coordinator to work with them. So those are my predictions on some of the uh, head coaching openings that are currently out there right now. And with third down, let's let's continue talking about the Dallas Cowboys because, you know, in a, in a previous podcast, I had talked about it. You know, what some are, what are some of the jobs that are the most attractive out there? And, you know, if you look just at talent on a team, the Cowboys would be up there. But to me, that was one of the least attractive jobs because of Jerry Jones. And it's so unpredictable with what the Cowboys would do. I mean, you know, you, you win a Super Bowl with Jimmy Johnson, but you don't like the fact that he's getting a lot of the credit for it, so you, you fire him. But then you have Jason Garrett, who what, made the playoffs three out of the last ten years, and you struggle to fire with him because you like him and you treat him as family right now, you're not doing himself any favors by holding on to him. I get the contract of his expires on the 14th, but if Jason Garrett wanted to go out and and put himself out there for some potential interviews for head coaching jobs, holding on to him this long isn't doing himself any favors. So while you may like the guy and you think that he's kind of your like like a family to you, you really didn't do him any favors by holding on to him and then eventually firing him. I think we all knew you had to make a change, Jerry Jones. You had to make a change. You had to make a change. But holding on to Jason Garrett for whatever reason and having a boatload of meetings makes absolutely no sense. And that's where I I don't know if I would want to coach the Cowboys. You've got all the all the talent in the world. You know, you're going to get your games on primetime TV. Uh, most of the time, I mean, to the max, it seems like. I mean, what the Cowboys games are always going to be uh, up there in terms of national exposure. you, you got an owner that is willing to go out there and spend money for your team, but that owner is also your general manager, and he's shown to be unpredictable uh, throughout his history as an owner and general manager too. So, uh, and then, I mean, how many times have we watched a Cowboys game where you got to flash the camera to Jerry Jones to see his uh, reaction on a play or a game or result or anything? So I, that, to me, it, it doesn't make it... Um, that desirable for me. I don't understand what the Cowboys process was this whole time. I thought it was ridiculous. Uh, and I don't know. They, they got talent in the world to compete. This division, I think, is going to be up for grabs next year between the Cowboys, the Eagles. I'm curious. The Giants have some young pieces, but can they make that jump? Washington with Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio already on board. That's not going to be an easy out, but they may be you know, a year away as well. So Cowboys can win this thing next year if they get the right coach in place. They can do that. But can the owner slash general manager, Jerry Jones, step away for just a little, just step away a little bit and let your new head coach come in there and do his job? All right, fourth down here. Let's uh, take a look at some wild card weekend. Uh, as we mentioned, uh, it's uh, 
or as I mentioned earlier, the games on the schedule. So taking a look at the first one, you got the Texans and the Bills. You know, this one, to me, it actually might be one of the better games of the weekend, maybe the best game in close of, uh, in, in terms of how close it'll be, because I think these teams are evenly matched. I think the key in this one is going to be twofold. J.J. Watt returning, I'm a little surprised he is, talking to a lot of uh, uh, people in the medical field. They're actually surprised he's playing with this, or even got uh, approved to play in this. If J.J. Watt can even be close to his normal self, that's going to be a turning point for that team. And the other one is, is how is Josh Allen going to perform in his first playoff game, too. So um, I'm going to go with the low scoring close one in this one. I'm going to go 17-10 Houston Texans. And then for the nightcap on Saturday in the AFC, I know a lot of people are high on the Titans right now. Uh, they're high on the, uh, Ryan Tannehill, the way he's playing. you got the, the rushing champion and Derrick Henry. Uh, Mike Vrabel going up against his mentor and, and Bill Belichick. Uh, so a lot of people are picking the, the Titans. But you know what? I'm not over. Never going to doubt the Patriots until maybe next week. But uh, for this one, I'm still going to pick the Patriots. Still going to pick the Patriots in this game. I'm going to go with like a 23 to 17 type of score. I think Bill Belichick's going to be able to neutralize uh, Derrick Henry because that's the one thing he does, or I should say, one of many things he does really well as a head coach and a game planner. As he takes away your best option, he's going to force Ryan Tannehill to beat him. And when you've got Gilmore in a pretty good defense, I think that's going to be a tough out for uh, Ryan Tannehill there. So I'm going to go with the Patriots uh, winning this weekend. Sunday's games, NFC, Vikings, Saints. I think this is this may be my more intriguing game of the weekend because when the Vikings are on, they're one of the best teams in the league. They're going to have Dalvin Cook back. How close to healthy will he be? That's going to be a big key. But if you can, if he can play that full game, that's what makes that offense run. It's not Kirk Cousins. It's not Diggs and Thielen. The offense is so much better with Dalvin Cook on there because it takes a lot of the pressure off of Kirk Cousins so he can target some of his receivers. And he's got weapons, too. He's got weapons. So Dalvin Cook is the key to that offense. Now, can that secondary of the Vikings hold up against the passing attack and Michael Thomas and Drew Brees from the Saints? That's the big question. Uh, but I'm going to go with a 27-20 victory with the Saints. But I would not be that surprised if the Vikings do pull it off this weekend. And then you've got the Seahawks and, and the Eagles with the nightcap on Sunday. Um, it's kind of the battle of who's going to, uh, if they got enough healthy bodies to play in this game. Uh, but I'm going to go with the Seahawks. I just think they're the better team. Uh, they've shown that all season. Uh, so I'm going to go with the with the Seahawks in this one. And about like a 27-17 uh, victory for the Seahawks. So my winners this weekend to kind of finalize it all, I'm going to go with uh I'm going to go with the Titan, or excuse me, uh, the Texans, the Patriots, the Saints, and the Seahawks. I'm going to go with those. So pretty much all the home teams this weekend. All the home teams this weekend. All right, we're ending the podcast. All right, ending the podcast with a little extra points. And the Pro Football Hall of Fame announced their 15 modern era player finalists for the 2020 class. Uh, you know, remember this year they're expanding the class to some of the older players and some of the, uh, they're expanding the contributors, uh, as well, the senior class and contributors and that's, uh, for the 100 years. But, uh, looking at the 15 modern era player finalists, I'm going to select five guys that I think will be announced as part of that class, uh, Saturday before the Super Bowl. But, uh, before I announce my five, 
Again, here are the 15 finalists. We have Troy Palomalu, Edrin James, Zach Thomas, Bryant Young, Richard Seymour, John Lynch, Steve Atwater, Leroy Butler, Reggie Wayne, Tori Holt, Isaac Bruce, Sam Mills, Tony Baselli, Alan Fanica, Steve Hutchinson. Um, so when I'm looking at this group here, when I look at uh, these guys here, I think the only lock on here is going to be Troy Palomalu. I think it's going to be the only lock on this one is going to be Troy Palomalu. And if you look at this list, there's a lot of safeties when you have Troy Palomalu, John Lynch, and Steve Atwater, and Leroy Butler. Leroy Butler making it for the first time as a finalist in this group. So, uh, But I, I think Troy is, Troy is the lock. I think, I think he. this is a tough list after that. It, it really is a tough list after that. Um, I think Tony Baselli is going to crack it this year. I think he gets in. You can say what you want. He's only got like a six-year career. Uh, he's suffered with injuries, but he was a pretty damn good tackle when he was in. So I'm going to go with him. Um, and then I think I'm going to go Steve Hutchinson. I think he gets in. And then it gets interesting. Do you put one of the other wide receivers in there? Do you put Reggie Wayne? Do you put Torrey Holt, Isaac Bruce uh, in there? I think I'm going to go... Man, this is tough. Um, let me get back to the wide receiver one because I think one more um, safety gets in. I think that's going to be John Lynch this year. He's been getting closer and closer and closer. I think John Lynch gets in this year. Um, you know, Zach Thomas was named as a Hall of Fame finalist for the first time uh, ever as well. I don't think he gets in. I don't think Leroy Butler gets in, but I do think Zach Thomas and Leroy Butler, the strides they made this year, they eventually will get in. Now, this is... When I say weaker class, I'm not dissing these guys, but I mean, what I mean by weaker class, there's not as many first ballot locks in here. Like I said, Troy Palomalu is the only first ballot lock on here. So, um, man, I'm going to go again Troy Palomalu, John Lynch, Tony Baselli, Steve Hutchinson. I think one of these wide receivers gets in. So, I'm going to go. Do I go? Reggie Wayne to join his teammate Marvin Harrison, or do I go with one of the Rams receivers for the greatest show on turf to join Kurt Warner in there? Wayne Holt or Isaac Bruce? Oh man, this is tough. This is really tough for me. I'm gonna go. I think I'll go Reggie Wayne. I am not confident in that at all. Um, but I think one of the receivers gets in. Um, Wayne in his first year of eligibility as well. Uh, this Tory Holt. Ah oh, man. It, it, to me, it would be between Reggie Wayne or Torrey Holt. So, but it, I wouldn't be surprised if any one of those three gets in. I would not be surprised if any one of those three do get in, though. But I guess if I were turning my ballot in, I might go with Reggie Wayne on this one. I might go with Reggie Wayne on that one. So, again, my five modern era ballot would be Troy Palomalu, John Lynch, Reggie Wayne, Tony Baselli. Steve Hutchinson, but I wouldn't be surprised if like a Steve Atwater gets in this year. I do think Zach Thomas and Leroy Butler will eventually get in now. I think this was a big year for them to make that jump into uh, uh, the finalist category for the first time in their careers. Um, and if there was a year for them to get in, it might be this year because, again, it is a little bit of a weaker class in terms of those first-year locks, but I just don't see it happening this year, especially with a, a bunch of safeties that we've seen the trend, you know, uh, of John Lynch and Steve Atwater climbing up, you know, in terms of votes and making these cuts, they've been closer 
to getting in than what Leroy Butler has uh, lately. So I think they're ahead of him on the pecking order. That's what pushes him down. Um, and then, you know, we've had that long jam, log jam of wide receivers uh, before, and I think they put one in here to try to avoid having that log jam again because, I mean, you know, Megatron, Kelvin Johnson coming up here, uh, that he's going to be talked about uh, getting in there. So we'll see it. But, yeah, this is an intriguing class for sure. It's a very intriguing class. But that's it for this wild card playoff edition of the Man Cave Football Podcast. I'm your host, uh, Dan Casper, as always. Reminder, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And make sure you are subscribing so you never miss an episode of the Man Cave Football Podcast. Don't forget to rate us. That way other football fans can find the podcast as well. Enjoy Wild Card Weekend. Next week we'll be uh, recapping Wild Card Weekend and looking ahead to some division matchups, divisional matchups as the top two seeds in each conference will be back in action. I'm Dan Casper, and this is the Man Cave Football Podcast.